5 o'clock hour, Burns and Gambo Show, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. We are live from the Auction Community Studios. And Vance Joseph today was live from the Cardinals headquarters talking to the media about his defense, which obviously took a step back against Minnesota. But how big of a step back, given that they played much better in the second half? And how much of that was a result of Dalvin Cook getting injured in that game and making it easier to kind of stop what they did? Vance Joseph was kind of faced with all of these questions today, and he was asked about if he learned more from the first half, or did he learn about his guys because they were able to turn things around in the second half? I think both. You know, the first half was 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 bad. You know, it wasn't good, but guys didn't panic. We got to halftime and made some adjustments and kind of just got refocused, basically, and it worked. You know, the second half, it was, it was obviously half the yards, half the point, I think three points, and... 35 rushing yards, so it was obviously a difference in the second half. The first half wasn't good enough. They played faster and played better in the first half, and we have to start better. That game has everybody questioning the Cardinals' defense. What was real, the Titans game or the Vikings game, or is reality somewhere in between those two for this defense right now? Yeah, I mean... Yeah, the Titans game was real, and then the Viking games was real. That like that really happened, <laughs> you know. But you try to but say, like, like what's what? going to be consistent? What's going to be the one that I don't shows know that up every single consistency. week? Consistency. I don't. That's my biggest fear. Is I don't think, and not even a fear. I just I, I expect the Cardinals' offense to be relatively consistent. They're really talented. They're going to score a lot of points. Mm-hmm. I don't know that the Cardinals. De- I think the Cardinals' defense will be good, but I don't know if you're going to get consistent. I think week in and week out, you're, it's it's going to be a mixed bag. It's hard to play defense in this league. These offenses are so freaking talented. You're going up against A.J. Brown, Julio Jones, and Derrick Henry in week one, then Dalvin Cook and and Adam Thielen uh, in in week two. Like there's just there's a lot of talent. Jefferson, I forgot Jefferson. There's just so much talent. Then you get a little bit of a break this week against Jacksonville, which is clearly not as talented, but then what's the next three games? The Rams, the 49ers, and the Browns. Talent, talent, talent. So it's just hard. I think it's just hard to play defense in this league. So I think it's hard to say, what do you have as a defense? I'm I'm not expecting the Cardinals' defense to be consistent week in and week out. I'm not. I, I, I don't think they're going to be... I think the Titans game was... It was great. It was awesome. To think it's going to be that good every single week, I think, is asking way too much. It's, it's, it's not going to be that good every single week. Um, as far as what we saw against the Vikings, man, the Vikings, I, we talked about this all week. It, it, it's it's hard it's hard to assess what happened against the Vikings because, to Vance Joseph's point, they were so dreadful defensively in the first half of that game. They were awful. They gave up nearly 300 yards of offense in the first half. Kirk Cousins was doing whatever he wanted whenever he wanted. Dalvin Cook was doing whatever he wanted whenever he wanted. In the second half, it all got so much better. But was that a function of a Vance Joseph adjustment? Was that a function of them going jumbo on the defensive line? Or was it because Dalvin Cook hurt his ankle and he was limited the rest of the time? And, that and factored. It, I mean, he, he didn't practice today uh, for the Vikings. They got the Seahawks. This week, and I don't know if he's going to play or not, but I mean, actually, you know, he played like 40 snaps in the game. I think if you look at Dalvin Cook, I think he played like 41 snaps. So he was out for a little while. He wasn't. So I think that was an injury and going jumbo helped because when Dalvin Cook was in there, you know, having those, there was that one play. You had Corey Peters and you had Lawrence both in there. You had those big, you know, road grader bodies and they're able to slide over and stop the run. And so I think that helps. So I think there was some adjustments, but Dalvin Cook being hurt definitely helped. Look, I, I know. 
We're not going to have answers after two games when it comes to the defense. We're not going to know definitively for sure what they're going to do. All I know is this. Earlier in the week, we had a conversation, you and I, about it was a story, I think, on The Athletic that Kyler Murray staying healthy is the only thing that matters for the Arizona Cardinals. And you and I both disputed it. Yes. And the reason so. the reason why was, yes, that's the most important part. That's the most important part for a lot of teams. And I would agree that Kyler Murray's health is the main ingredient in this dish. But if the Cardinals are going to go where they want to go, truly go where they want to go, that defense has to be consistently good week in and week out. They don't have to be great like they were against the you Titans. You said upper half, top 15 defense earlier. I think if, sticking with that? If they do that, I think the Cardinals will be a playoff team in 2021, provided Kyler Murray stays healthy for most of the season. Yes. I think that's all it takes. I'm not asking for anything more than that. Be a top half defense in terms of whatever metric. I mean, there's so many metrics to judge that by. Points per game, yards per game, pressure rate. I mean, whatever. Whatever metric you want to use, just don't be in the bottom half in a bunch of those categories and I think that offense will win you a whole bunch of games if you're just an average NFL defense. I think I expect the offense to be consistent week in and week out. It's going to be hard for teams to stop the offense. Maybe they stop themselves. There will probably be a game or two where uh, a team's kind of got it figured out. They're able to pressure Kyler and force him into some bad plays. So there will be one or two games I expect the Cardinals are not going to play well offensively. But for the most part, I think they're going to be consistent. Last year, we raved more about the Cardinals' defense than we did about their offense. We did. Last year, we raved about the defense quite a bit. You know, this year, I, I mean, the defense was the story in Week 1 with what they did, shutting down Derrick Henry and Julio Jones and A.J. Brown and, and Ryan Tannehill. They did a great job. Last week, not so much. This week, they they like they might have a field day against Trevor Lawrence. They they might, uh, but like like I said, like it's it's San Francisco doesn't have a great offense, but the Rams do. You know, can they control Cooper Cup and Matthew Stafford in that game? Cooper Cup is just killing it right now. He's just so good. Sure is. So I think that there's just a lot of challenges out there, and um, and I think that they get better over time, right? Because how many how many new guys are playing on his team? Robert Alford's new, and Marco Wilson's new, and J.J. Watt is new, and. Zayvon Collins, when he plays, he's new. And for the most part, Isaiah Simmons, Simmons is new. I mean, just, it's a lot of new players. Yeah. I mean, so I think that they probably get more consistent over time once they start playing with each other more. Uh, Vance Joseph was asked about getting off to another slow start this week against Jacksonville. Is he worried about no, it? No, no. Our guys are focused this week. Again, last week, man, I mean, that game came down to a miss field goal. You know, I mean, it's, it's no secret there. So, um, our guys should be focused. It's a it's a it's a hard league. You know, every team that you play can beat you. You know, so we don't believe in games that we should win. You know, it it costs to win in this league. You work four days. You know, as a as a player and coach to win a game. You know, and every game you play is hard. It's going to be hard to win on Sunday. You know, they have a great young quarterback. They have great uh, young receivers. It's a team that plays hard. You know, so it won't be easy on Sunday. It's the NFL, guys, and every week. If you're not playing your best ball, you you can lose. And I'm not trying to make excuses. Yeah, I wish for he him. was playing, right? I wish he was playing. Yeah, yeah. He's just coaching. He's not playing. Vance. I'm, it sounds great. Yeah. It sounds great. I mean, but the players have to buy into that. Of course. Yeah, of course. I think it also should be pointed out that the Cardinals you know, and they, they shut down Derrick Henry in week one. 
but they faced one of the best running backs in the NFL in Dalvin Cook, and and he made him look he made him look really really bad. Are, are they going to be faced with a challenge like that every single week? Not necessarily to that level. There are still other really good running backs that are on the schedule coming up, but Dalvin Cook is one of absolutely the best in the NFL, and they did get it done against Derrick Henry the week before. It's basically, I, I think, what this all comes down to is that as long as health is relatively stable. I think we know that offense is elite. That offense is going to be one of the best in the NFL. It's just there's just too many weapons. Kyler is coming to his own. There's just defensively, it might be a week to week deal where we're just not really sure what they are, what they're about. There's talent yeah, there, but he, but we we just might not know consistently for sure what it is that they're capable of defensively every week. You could get up for Derrick Henry, Julio Jones and AJ Brown, right? Yep. You can get up for Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen and Dalvin Cook, right? Can you get up for James Robinson, uh, Marvin Jones and DJ Chark Jr.? <laughs> no, it's a serious question. It's the truth. I... Like, you know, that that's nobody's you know, James Robinson hey. has 72 yards rushing in two games. He's averaging 4.5 yards a carry, but he's got 72 yards rushing in two games. He's averaging 35 yards a game rushing. Marvin Jones has 132 yards in two games, so he's been targeted 20 times. He only has 11 receptions because a lot of those balls are sailing over his head. He's averaging 65 yards receiving a game. DJ Shark Jr. had a good first game. He was invisible in the second game, but he's got 105. Uh, Their third leading receiver, James O'Shaughnessy, the tight end, he's out. Uh, LaVisca Chenault, the kid from Colorado, I loved in college. He hasn't done anything yet. So, you know, you go, you go up and down the line and you look at them and you're like, that's nothing that scares you on paper or watching them on film that doesn't scare you. You said it yesterday. This is why you've got those veterans on you the roster. Sure. Yeah. Because everything you just said says trap game, trap game, trap game. This is why you've got those veterans on that roster to make sure they understand to get up for the LaVisca Chenaults. And the James Robinsons and the G- DJ Charks, just as much as you're getting up for Justin Jefferson and just as much as you're getting up for Julio Jones and Derrick Henry and Dalvin Cook, right? I mean, that's that's what they're there for. Hopefully, that message is being sent and received this week. When we come back, Troy Lavello here to stay for one more year. The right decision, and what does it mean for the organization's plan moving forward? We'll talk about that next on the Burns and Gambo Show. John Gambadoro, Dave Burns, Burns and Gambo here on 98.7 FM Arizona Sports Station. Diamondbacks won today 6-4. to four. They're now 49 wins, 104 losses. They have doing the quick math here, what, nine games left on the season, ten games left on the season. Let's go. Don't be the worst team in D-backs history. Let's get a couple of wins here. Today was a good one. Today was a good one. I'd like to get the number one overall pick. I'm not lying. But you also don't want to have the – you don't want this to be the team that's that overtakes the Al Padrique team. <laughs> Nine games – sorry, I always laugh about that because I was the host of the Al Padrique show. Nine games remaining yeah. on the season. Uh, the, the season record for most losses, 2004, the Al Padrique year, uh, is 111. So Man, you that's you, so hard to you need to win three more games to avoid that. Okay, three more wins they, to avoid that. Yeah. Two more wins ties it. Three more wins avoids it. Okay, so you need to go three and I think they, six. I think they get the three wins. And they've got three against the Dodgers this weekend. 
Then I think three at San Francisco. It's three on the and road in, in, in San Francisco. And in Colorado. And then three against Colorado. Right. Here. Here? Yes. So it's here at L.A., there at San Francisco, back here against Colorado. Yeah. Okay. You got to get three wins out of that. What is the Colorado series? What days of the week are those? Mm, Friday, Saturday, it's first, Sunday. First, second, third of October. Yeah, it's that it's weekend. Next Friday, weekend. Saturday, Sunday. Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Yep. Okay. Why? I, I see. No, I'd like to maybe go to one, over there. I just like to go to one more game. You're gonna go to one more? Maybe. Say goodbye. Au revoir. Just you know, it's been a hard. It, it's been a hard team to watch. Yes, it has. It's been a hard team to watch. Yes, yes, it has. Uh but not hard enough to at least not bring back the manager for one more year. And I don't think this would classify as a surprise for either you or me, but the organization announced today via Mike Hazen that Troy Lovello is coming back next year as manager of the club. He is being given a one-year contract with a team option for another year. So basically, he's in the same lame duck status that he was in this year. Go out and prove it. Let's see what you got. Yes, and, and, and a couple of different things on that. They weren't going to reward the performance this year. They don't look at it as a one-year extension as a reward. It's just it's just a continuation of where you are now. A multi-year deal would have been considered a reward. The Diamondbacks did not uh, want the results that, that Tory Lovello put forth this year did not warrant a multi-year contract reward. So they just decided the best thing to do is, okay, a lot of issues this year, a lot of issues, mainly injuries and health, a bad bullpen. They didn't want to put it all on Tory. So they go one more year, and if it doesn't work out, then they'll make a change next year. Now, it could happen during the season or it could happen after. If they are to a terrible start, you know, you're on a one-year deal. You could fire the manager in, you know, in, in June and make a change. It, it happens. So a one-year deal. He got a modest raise, as I reported earlier, just a modest raise, a small raise from what he made this year, mainly a cost of living type of raise, raise, nothing extravagant, but you know, they, they, you know, for Tory, there's, you know, what, what else are we going to do? Like you go be a third base coach somewhere. It was very unlikely that he would have been a manager, you know, uh, somebody would have hired him as a manager off of this season. So I think it's good for Tory gets another year and hopefully they'll put a better team out there for him. Tory has a lot of good qualities as a manager. Mm -hmm. He's got some bad qualities too. He's too loyal to his players. He doesn't hold players accountable a whole lot. I mean, I get very, very frustrated when I see players make error after error, and then they're in the lineup the next day. And you could say, who else are they going to play? But I don't care who they play. I just, I, I don't want to reward guys that continue to, you know, play poorly, especially in the field. And Tory does that. So that would be the negative that I have on Tory. Maybe, but I, I think you would agree that's not the reason why they've got 49 wins and 104 losses. No, they, they, talent. They, they, they have talent. no talent. They don't have, they don't have, enough, they don't have enough talent. A, a guy sent me a, a chart today of how many home runs, and not that it all comes down to that, but how many home runs the Diamondbacks have hit compared to how many they've given up. And it's obscene. It's obscene how how little home runs they've had and how it, right the disparity between the two and that my friends that is not a managerial decision that is not a who am I bringing in in the seventh or when am I doing the double switch or 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 anything like that that is a sheer lack of talent compared to the yeah. other team across the field and that's not a Tory Lovello issue that's a, those are issues that go on much deeper and much bigger than Tory Lovello so. I'm glad he's back. I would agree with you wholeheartedly. He's got a lot of stuff he's got to get better, and I don't think they can have another season. Well, I know they can't have another season this bad. 
I don't think they can have another season even close to being this bad to think that Tori Lovello is going to be back a year from now. They've got to show some kind of improvement next year for him to justify. Yeah, right? I mean, significant. They have to. But he's been given. This is basically, I think, the organization's way of saying, we understand it's not all your fault. There are things we'd like you to do better, but it's nowhere near all your fault, and we're going to give you a chance to run it back and do it again. You know what? You know what's tough, too, for Diamondback fans? You see Paul Goldschmidt hit two more home runs today? Hmm. I mean, he's killing he's it right been, now. He has he's been killing it. Scorching hot the right. last month or so. Robbie Ray in contention for the Cy Young Award? Sure. With the Blue Jays, he's either going to finish first or second in the Cy Young Award. I, I mean, it's hard to look at some of the players that were here that are just kicking ass right now, just really playing well. It's 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 hard. It's difficult for fans to look at that. And then you see what do you, Luke Weaver and... I mean, Carson Kelly hit a big three-run homer today, and I like Carson Kelly. He's still young, but I mean, he, he, you know, he's not—he's not great. And Luke Weaver's—I like—he's hurt a lot. I don't know—you can count on him. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the four players they got from the Astros, the best one so far has been Rojas. Yep. We, Beers hurt already. He's got some power. I like it, but Rojas has been the best guy, and Luke he was. Koskis has been up and down, uh-huh. and, and yeah, it's so you—you th- just—it's hard. It's hard. You—you know—you get rid of all these players, and you're hoping to get something back. That's re- that's relevant, and and you know, yeah. And if I'm just being, you know, again, completely honest about this, I, I'm kind of, I'm kind of numb to all of this because, can, because this organization, I don't see them being competitive anytime soon, and so I don't want to sit here and say it doesn't matter who the manager is. It always matters who the coach is, who the manager is. It always matters the leadership and what the guys are hearing. I'm just not really bullish on Diamondbacks baseball right now. It's hard to be bullish about Diamondbacks baseball right now. It's hard not to look at them and say, let's be honest, the next great Diamondbacks baseball team is still about three or four years away when all of the guys start no, coming through you, the system. You know what I mean? But the next- you know how you got to look at it? Which players on this team will be on the next really good Diamondbacks team? Well, that's easy. I mean, it's Rojas. That's Maybe Dalton Varsho. That's Gallen. Pol- that's uh, uh, Paven Smith. Could tell Marte. That's Zach Gallen. That's I mean, maybe. maybe. I mean, we, we, do we know that Josh Rojas and Paven Smith are good enough to be on the next really good Diamondback team, or are they stopgap guys? I, I remember the baby backs. Sure, of okay, course. Like okay, those some of those guys were they were they were okay for a couple of years, but they weren't the long term answers. Agreed. Agreed. I, I'm not saying all those guys are definitive answers. I'm saying those guys are nominees for potentially being a part of the next great team. Fair. We need to continue to learn more about. Them. I, I'm just like in the short term. Look, they're gonna be better because there's nowhere to be but better for the Diamondbacks. You're, 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 they're about to set the franchise record for most losses in a season. It's hard to be worse than that. Okay, they're gonna be better next year, but are they gonna be marginally better enough to be able to say big gains were made when you're in the same division as the San Francisco Giants, San Diego Padres, and LA Dodgers? It's hard for me to be bullish about that. It's hard for me to think that Diamondbacks baseball is going to be in a place where we can say everything got better from one year to the next. I just don't know how you, that's going to happen. You remember my text to you on the first day of the first game of the season? I do. What did I, te- what did I text you? That they were going to lose 100 games. Yeah. Then I remember a month later you said, never mind, I don't think they're going to. But on day one. Yeah, but on day 40, you backtracked and said, no, never mind, they're not going to lose 100 games. This team's actually not bad. Okay. The first game of the season, I texted you and I said, this team's going to lose 100 games. I'm sorry, do you not like me pointing that out? No, you can. But on the first game of the season, I did text you and say, this team's going to lose 100 games. Am I inaccurate by pointing that out? 
No. But did I did I did I text you and say they're gonna lose hundred baseball games the first game of the season? You were at the game, I was at the game. So you're basically covered whether they were good or not. No, I mean, I think yeah, I mean, you kind of were, really. The, the, you kind of were covered one way or another. Well, well, Lose 100 games, you say you texted me on day one. Decent baseball team, you say you texted me on day 40. You're kind of covered one way or another. Well, whatever it was, day 30 or 40. Or they, there was a little stretch where they started to play good baseball. It didn't last very long. <laughs> but, but the point is the initial thought on this baseball team was mm-hmm. they stunk. Yes. The initial thought on this team was this team stinks. Yes. That was the initial thought of this baseball team. Yeah, and they do. They stink. Oh, they. But this is historical stink. Yeah. This is, okay, a 100-loss season, that's bad. This is worst season in franchise history. But uh, it's hard to, it's been hard to watch games over the last couple of I credit, months. I credit you for watching it still. I put it on. I probably, I have it on. I watch. Um then at some point late in the game when my wife's ready to watch succession to something, I'm like, okay, seventh <laughs> inning, the Diamondbacks are down, you know, six to one. You can put on the show. I won't watch the last two innings. When we come back, we always talk about rookies and the moment being too big for them when they hit the big stage. What about rookie coaches and the rookie coach the Cardinals are facing this weekend? That's coming up on the Burns and Gambo show. <laughs> It does make you wonder if this Carolina Panther thing is, like, real. How we're all going to rethink Sam Darnold. And what we're going to think about the New York Jets if this Sam Darnold thing. It's not, and look, Sam Darnold is not the reason why the Carolina Panthers are 2-0. Ryan Tannehill. My was Ryan Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill? Ryan Tannehill was Miami. He was terrible. He oh, goes yeah, yeah. to a good situation with a good coach. I mean, his Ryan Tannehill's co- coaches were Joe Philbin and Adam, Adam Gase. Gase. Right? Like, okay, those guys suck. Yeah. So now he goes to a he goes to a situation with a good coach and a quality organization, and you play better. I said the Jets have been a disaster. The you know. Ch- By the way, hey, one of his coaches was Sam was Adam Gase. So now <laughs> he think- goes to Carolina, and maybe the situation, you know, maybe the situation is just better for him. I think the real trend here is if you're ahead. Team looking for a head coach, don't hire Adam Gase. Yeah, or if you're a yeah. quarterback coming out of college, don't go to the New York Jets. They'll ruin you. There are some, listen, to, they'll ruin you. Do some people believe Josh Rosen got ruined because he came to Arizona in a bad, at a bad time? And then Miami? Yeah. At a bad time? I, you know what? I used to think that. I don't think that anymore. Do you think he just stinks? I just think he stinks. I used to think that. I used to think Josh Rosen that had he gone. To if if Josh Rosen had gone to New England, would he be Mac Jones? There was a time where I thought the answer to that question was yes. That time has passed. I don't think that anymore. I just think Josh Rosen just <laughs> he's just, just not that good. Just, he's just not that good. He's just not. But look at Darnold, man. He's out there running around, darts darts down the field, throwing darts down the field. He's yeah. He's Sod Reddick sacking the quarterback. Got Dan Arnold. You got, a, you got a little Arizona twist here, right? Is With Dan Arnold on Carolina? Dan Arnold's on Carolina. The great Shh. tight end. I didn't know that. Cost me a lunch last yeah, year. I was going to say, you want to have another bet on how many catches he's going to have? I, I liked him, man. I liked him. <laughs> what was it, 35? I think the, I think any, I think he had like 30-something. I, I didn't think, miss by much. No, you didn't. I think it was like... He had 31 think, or 32 catches last yeah, year. I think, and I think the bet was 35, yeah. and, you just, and you just missed it. Yeah, you just missed it. So I forgot about Dan Arnold. I didn't realize he was on this team. 
Um, yeah, but Sam Darnold's just yeah, and he he's be, just throwing and he, it all around the field right now. He's doing fine. Yeah, and then Zach Wilson, what, five interceptions last week in that game against Bill Belichick, uh-huh. who owns rookie quarterbacks, by the way. Uh-huh. Bill Belichick against the rookie quarterback is money in the bank. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. There's no doubt. Should have figured that one out. That, that, that Jets situation, man. If Sam Darnold flourishes somewhere else, if you're a Jets fan, it's like, why? At that point, why even bother? You could draft the next five quarterbacks. You're just going to screw them all up. You know, not because they're bad players, but because you're the Jets and you're just terrible at stuff right. like this and have been forever. Um, meanwhile, you got the cards taking on Jacksonville on Sunday. And Urban Meyer is he's two games in the NFL. Man, he, he's barely been here. And already there are people wondering if he's over his skis a little bit. Uh, in part because of the comment that Vic Fangio, the head coach of the Denver Broncos, roll tide roll, uh, passed along um, on Monday. Denver beats Jacksonville. Fangio meets with the media on Monday and said, "This is what Urban Meyer told him after the game." I don't know uh, Urban Meyer at all, really. I met him the other day. You know, shook his hand before the game and after the game, and. And his comment to me was every week it's like playing Alabama in the NFL, you know, and that's that's it. Everybody's capable of beating everybody in this league. Now, the question that people are asking that's what Vance Joseph said today. Sure. Same thing. Everybody's capable of beating everybody. Jacksonville's capable of beating the Cardinals. We had Jay Feely on the show the other day. What did he say? He said everybody's, everybody's capable, capable of beating, beating everybody. everybody. Right. You don't want to show up for a game, you're going to get beat. But when Urban Meyer says it like that, it, it's people are giving him a hard time because it's almost like, well, what did you expect? What did you think you what did you think you were going to be Ohio State and you were going to go 10 and 2 every year? Do you think you're going to be I all- never had a losing record as a college coach. You won three national championships. The last time he lost more than 2 games. You have to go back to 2010, his last year at Florida. That's the last time Urban Meyer's ever lost more than two games. He might have been just arrogant and egotistical enough to think he was going to show up and not. Lots of struggle. college coaches, lots of great college coaches have gone to the NFL and, and struggled. You know, Saban, two years in Miami, lost like 17 games. Spuria lost like 20 games. Nick Saban. Nick Saban. Mm-hmm. Two years was 15 and 17 with the Miami Dolphins. Steve Spurrier was uh, 12 and 20. Yeah, I think that was the number you said earlier. Steve Spurrier was 12. I'm going by memory here. Steve Spurrier was 12 and 20 as a head coach in Washington. Walked away from 15, $15 million on the table. I'm out of here. I, I can't do this. Lou Holtz, when Lou Holtz went to the Jets, was like, I got to get back to college. Just some, some guys, it's just. You know, it it doesn't work out. Bobby Petrino, right? I mean, it's, it's up and quit on his team with about four games to go in the season, yes. if I remember right. Yeah, so no, Chip never Kelly. mind. I'm out of here. Yep, Chip, Chip Kelly, Kelly. Didn't work out. God, he was so great at Oregon. Sure. And I remember the first game Chip Kelly as a coach. We're like, oh man, it's can't wait to see this man. He's going to revolutionize the NFL, and man, he, he <laughs> didn't can, work. I can still remember where we were during we our are, show. We that were at day. a sports bar. We were at Marley's we were at, in Old Town we Scottsdale. We were at a sports bar. Yep, we were mar- back when they had a Marley's in Old Town Scottsdale. We were at Marley's in Old Town Scottsdale. We were on the air during our show. It was the Monday night debut of of Mike Vick and and the Chip Kelly offense in Philadelphia. We're like, oh my god, this is going to turn the league on its side, and it did for about you know. A season, maybe a little less than a season, and then everyone kind of caught on and figured it out. Yeah, it's funny. I remember us being at a different sports bar for that game. Do you? Some tavern. Yeah. You might be right, but I'm pretty sure we were at Marley's in Old Town for that that first Chip Kelly game. I seem to totally remember remember. the game. Yeah. Um, 
but but it's, but some guys fail. Sure, some guys. Some guys, as uh, good as they are, they come to the NFL, and it's just it, it's different. It's a different animal. Uh, now, I think he'll. Uh, Urban Meyer is a really smart guy. I think I think he'll adjust. I think he'll figure it out. But there is some kind of question about. Okay, he, here he is, man. I, I, every game it's like Alabama here. Well, yeah, this is the NFL. Then there was this comment about preparing for Kyler Murray, in which he said, "I because we play on Thursday night football the week after we play the Cardinals, I can't prepare for Kyler Murray the way I'm used to preparing for a quarterback like that." Well, it's a pro- I've done it before. You know, when we played Marcus Mariota when I was at Ohio State, you put a jackrabbit back there and run around and all that. You just you know, we're playing again in four days after this one, so I'm just thinking big picture. We all are. Uh, we got two humid days, so how many reps can you actually get of that? So uh, we're going to do it, but it, it wouldn't be the way that I'm used to doing it. Do you know who you're going to put back there? To uh, we're just going to ask our quarterback this week. We can't do that. We just can't blow our guys out like that right now. That makes sense. So yeah, normally I would take a speedy wide receiver and ask him to be my scout team quarterback to simulate Kyler Murray. I can't do that. I've got a game in four days after this one. I got to keep my guys fresh. I'm going to put a quarterback back there and ask him to replicate Kyler Murray, which of course nobody, no quarterback on that roster can. Yeah. Talked about the humidity mm-hmm. in, in in Jacksonville right now and just not trying to get guys worn out with that with that second game coming up on next Thursday because they yeah. play next Thursday. Yeah, look, I, I don't know how Urban Meyer is going to do in college. I think by and large, and I think the. The fascinating comparison is here's Cliff Kingsbury, year three as coach of the Cardinals, a college coach, but he didn't have this. Usually a college coach comes into the NFL ranks because he was wildly successful as a college coach. Cliff doesn't follow that script. Cliff breaks that mold. He was, uh, and, and we joked earlier, but maybe there's some truth to that, that a guy like Urban Meyer, a guy like Nick Saban, a guy like Steve Spurrier, Gets to the pros and says, "Out of hell with this, man! I, I'm used to dominating. I'm used to Greg Schiano. Greg Schiano. So like, he was he wasn't a great college. Like, what, was it one good year at Rutgers or was it two? But I think did Greg he, Schiano is not like he's not Urban Meyer. No, but he, he came to the NFL from Rutgers. For, but he, he had like two good years, back to back good years. I think at Rutgers, not like Urban Meyer good years. But wouldn't you agree that most of the college coaches, yes." Come in and, yes. and even Pete Carroll, who had already been in the NFL, comes into the NFL after all that success at USC. Usually the only way college coaches get a shot in the NFL as a head coach was because they were great, wildly great in college. Cliff wasn't. And maybe that gives him a better temperament to deal with failure at the NFL level then a college coach who comes in here is used to going ten and two every year. Where'd you look up? You looked up Greg Shiano's record. Greg Shiano's last year at Rutgers nine and four. They won the Pinstripe Bowl the year before four and eight. Didn't make it to a bowl. Okay. The year before nine and four, they were in the St. Petersburg Bowl. The year before eight and five, they were in the PapaJohns.com Bowl. The year before that, eight and five, they were in the International Bowl. He did win eleven games in two thousand six, but then he went four or five years without doing anything, and he got an and he got an NFL job. So he's but he's. In the minority. He's in the minority. Yeah. Most of the other ones are the Sabins and the is, Pete Carrolls and the guys like that. His college coaching record is 74 wins and 73 losses. Yeah. Yeah. Like, he's more towards Cliff than anybody else. Yeah. No, but he, he's there aren't many. There aren't many like right. Cliff. And, and maybe Urban Meyer's got the temperament for it. Maybe he doesn't. Texas, your thoughts Whatever it is that we've talked about here on the show, the FanDuel text line is open at 620-620. 
right now. Anquan Bolden's falling out with the Cardinals was well documented. How does he feel about Arizona now, and how does that change if anything needs to be changed with Anquan Bolden? That's next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Time for the Vizzy What's On Tonight, brought to you by Vizzy Hard Seltzer, the only hard seltzer crafted with antioxidant vitamin C, proud sponsor of your Arizona Diamondbacks. They are not on tonight. They already won. They beat the Braves today to avoid the four-game sweep. So with that not on the docket tonight, here are two games that are on tonight. Thursday night football, which is already 7-0. The Carolina Panthers lead the Houston, Texas. Sam Darnold, I believe, ran it in from about the 10-yard line or so. Uh, on a touchdown run after marching Carolina right on down the field. But the thing to watch here tonight is Carolina's defense. They have been so good to start the season, leading the NFL in a whole bunch of different categories, and that includes, of course, Hassan Reddick, former member of the Arizona Cardinals, off to yeah. a very good start so far. You know, they're going to be 3-0, and and their fan base is going to be like, got to make the playoffs. You're 3-0. and 3-0, and you got to make the playoffs. Yeah. Like, because at 3-0, and what's your chances of making the playoffs are high if you start off 3-0. and but like that's one of those teams nobody really believes in yet. They'll have to win. They'll have to win a different type game. You have to look at their schedule and see who they play. But there's there's going to be some games you can be like, okay, well, this, we'll we'll find out what Carolina is after this game. Yeah, I would I would hope that even if they start three and zero, you would look at it. A fan in Carolina would look at it and go, but yeah. What are they? Who are they? Is it real? Is it? Is it? And I understand what you're saying. You, you, just, do wanna, the, you just want to make the playoffs. Yep. You do the math, and you start three and zero, and you figure you need ten wins to get in. You basically need to play five hundred ball the rest of the right, way. Play this and you're game. With, get there. Play, play this game with me real quick. Just okay. tell me if there's wins here. Um, next week, Dallas. I think they probably lose that game. Philly. Is that in Philly or home? It is home. They'll beat Philly. Okay. Minnesota. They'll beat Minnesota. Giants. They'll beat the Giants. Falcons. God, that schedule's cake. That's what I'm saying. That schedule, that schedule like is... That's what happens when you finish in third place in your division. You might, okay, so That's you, just a big old piece I, of birthday cake so right there, you man. think Philly's a win? That's four. Do you think Minnesota's a win? No, I think I okay. think Carolina wins. Yeah, the Carolina beats Minnesota. Okay, that's five. Giants, six. Falcons, seven. Patriots? No, at Patriots home? win. Patriots win. Cardinals? Cardinals will beat the Carolina Panthers. Washington football team. Uh, ooh, Carolina will win. Eight. Dolphins. Dolphins will... Uh, it depends on Tua. At Miami. Uh, Dolphins win. Dolphins win. Falcons. Carolina wins again. That's, that's like nine or ten right there. Buffalo. No, Buffalo wins. Tampa. Tampa wins. The Saints. Saints win. The Bucks. Tampa wins. Okay. I mean, you probably... You're probably in that cusp. nine. You're probably yeah, in that nine, nine win range. Yeah, if things cusp. break the way you know we just predicted, which they never will. Of course they won't. <laughs> Don't bet I, that. I always, I always love this exercise because it means nothing. Nothing. <laughs> yeah. Zero. With that yeah. thing we just did there for the last ninety seconds. Yeah. Nothing. Uh, also on tonight, the Phoenix Mercury playing their yeah, win. Let's go. Or your season's done game tonight against the New York Liberty. It's a single elimination game tonight against the New York Liberty. The game's not at Footprint Center. It's a GCU Arena tonight. That's I would imagine cool. that's going to be one real raucous crowd. Yeah, I'm actually going to tune into that a little bit tonight. I want to see what a WNBA crowd in that small building is going to be like because I bet yeah. it's going to be loud. That is cool. Loud, loud. Yeah, like very that. cool. Uh, and then finally, on our station tonight, 
and we hope you stick around for this. Uh, Max Williams going to join the guys on the Big Red Rage. I was in had the, a big week last week. And I was in the interview room when Max came in after the Cardinals win against Minnesota. That guy's got a lot of personality, man. He'll be a yeah. lot of fun on the radio. Good. Be listening to that on my way home. A lot of fun on the radio. So the Big Red Rage coming up at 6 o'clock tonight. We haven't had a chance to talk about this very much. This is Anquan Bolden, who was on today with the Wolf and Luke show. He was asked about the state of his relationship with the Cardinals right now. Um, I mean, honestly, I, I don't. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I haven't heard from the organization, um, but from my from my from my half, you know, there is no no bad blood. There's no bad feelings. Um, I I actually had a had an opportunity. Um, I would say two years ago, mm-hmm. I was at a, a NFL meeting. I had a I had to go to one of the NFL owners meetings down here in Fort Lauderdale uh, because of the work that I was doing with the with the Players Coalition. And while I was waiting in the waiting room, you know, I had the opportunity to to run into Rod Grace, who's now moved on and he's in a different position um, in the NFL now. And you know, we had the we had the opportunity to talk, and you know, he apologized for some things that happened, you know, while I was there. So for me, man, all of the all of the bad blood, all of the things that happened, that's water under the bridge for me. Very interesting. Good. You hate to have it. It happens with everybody, right? I mean, it's the bad blood in the organization. And we might have that with Patrick Peterson here with the Cardinals. There might be, I don't know. Uh, but with, you know, with legendary players like that, you just hate to see that bad blood because, you know, you want to, you want to relive the memories every once in a while, have the player come back. Oh man, you remember him and you, you want to have that. Yeah. He's trying to get into the hall of fame and he very well might. I think he should. Uh, he absolutely should be in the Cardinals ring of honor. And, 100%. and hopefully if there is truly no bad blood between player and organization, then that clears the way to get him in because he's, he's got, one of the, he's got to be in that ring of honor. Sort of the toughest son of a guns that have ever played the position of wide Has receiver. It's going to do it for us here on the Burns and Gambo Show. We are out of here. Steve Kime tomorrow at 3 o'clock. The Big Red Rage is next here on 98.7 FM Arizona Sports Station. Have a great night, everyone. Yeah.